We're going to talk today about how's our heart. But the heart we're going to talk about today is not this bodily organ that's inside of us pumping blood. We're going to talk about our biblical heart. Because in the Bible, when the word heart is used, it usually refers not to our physical organ, but to the the whole inner being. It includes our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's that part of us that makes decisions about how we're going to live our life, about whom we're going to serve. So today, let me ask you, how's your heart? Is your heart alive or are you dead? Is your heart healthy or are you sick? Uh, As Joji mentioned today, we're continuing our sermon series in the book of Hebrews. And our text this morning is from Hebrews chapter 3. And the question of how is your heart is the question that our text will confront us with as we look at this. So please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And as you're turning there, let me just remind you once again about what our sermon series of Hebrews is about. Joji mentioned it a minute ago. The main point of the book of Hebrews is about knowing Jesus, it's time to grow up. The book of Hebrews is mainly about growing up in Christ, about Christian maturity. And, it, and Christian maturity, we're saying, is knowing Jesus. Now, in the Bible, the word knowing does not just mean knowing something with our minds, knowing facts. That's very important to know right truths, biblical truths about Jesus. But knowing in the Bible is more about knowing experientially, knowing in our experience. So what does it mean to know Jesus? Here's the way we explain it. You've probably heard this before. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing Jesus is not just a matter of our heads, of knowing and believing biblical truths about Jesus. That's important and that's necessary. But more important than that, knowing Jesus is a matter of our hearts, having the right attitude of our hearts. So today we're going to talk about our hearts. That's what the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 3. So if you would uh, look at... Therefore... And I want you to make a, either underline in your Bible or just make a mental underline of that word, therefore. We're going to come back to it. Holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And then let's skip down to verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Underline in your Bibles or in your mind those words, harden your hearts. Those are important. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years did 
what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. Never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This is God's word. I told you to make a note of this first word here in the text in chapter 1, of verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, and that's the word therefore. If we don't understand the purpose of this word therefore here, we're going to miss the whole point of what the writer of Hebrews is saying in chapter 3. Because what he's doing by this word therefore is he's connecting everything that he's about to say in chapter 3 with everything that he's already said in his letter, everything that's in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, the word therefore here means, um, it means for this reason or because of what I've just said. In other words, what the author here is saying in verse 1 is, uh, here is how I want you to respond to everything that I've just said in chapters 1 and 2 of, of my letter. Do you remember what, what he said in chapters 1 and 2? If you were here the last two weeks, remember what chapter 1 was all about. Chapter 1 tells us who Jesus is. Remember, Jesus is the greatest. He's greater than the angels. He is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. He is the exact representation of God's being. In other words, he is God himself. He sits on a throne in heaven. So we get a very clear picture of who Jesus is. Now in chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews tells us basically what Jesus did. This Jesus who's, who's exalted in heaven, left his place in heaven, he came down to earth. He became a man. He became like us to save us. He died on the cross so that we can have forgiveness of our sins, so that we can experience eternal life and not have to fear death. So we get a clear picture in chapters 1 and 2 of Hebrews of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Now in chapter 3, the writer is starting to say this. He's saying, now that you know these important truths about Jesus, now it's time to start responding. And how are you going to respond to what you've just learned? That's what Hebrews 3 is all about. And really the rest of the book of Hebrews is about. And he, he, he starts this process in verse 1 by saying the following. He says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So he's saying, now that you've heard all about Jesus, who he is and what he's done, think about Jesus. Look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. Think carefully about what you've just heard. It's time to respond to what you've just heard. And then in the rest of chapter 3, as we're going to see, he tells us the main thing that will determine how we respond to Jesus. And that's the condition of our hearts. It's not just about our minds, what we believe or know. It's about our hearts. So let me ask you again today, how's your heart? 
Let's look again at, at verses 7 and 8, or 7, 8, and 9. This is when he starts talking about our hearts. He says, so as the Holy Spirit says, says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. Now, he's actually here quoting from Psalm 95. And the voice is speaking in these verses is God speaking. When he's talking about the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness uh, traveling between Egypt and the Promised Land. You remember what happened? They had a good beginning when they crossed over the Red Sea. But in the wilderness, and when they actually came to the Promised Land and, and it was time for them to cross in, they turned back. They refused to trust God, to obey God, and in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, which was the, where they had left the country, the place that God had even delivered them from. And God is saying here, he said that they hardened their hearts, that they hardened their hearts toward him. So today I want to talk about our hearts. Now I'm going to talk about two kinds of hearts. And this first type of heart is right here in verse 8. It's a hard heart. And these two kinds of hearts represent two extremes. Listen to what a hardened heart is, according to the Bible. A hardened heart is a heart that is t totally turned away from God. It's a heart that, has, that refuses to trust God, to believe in God, and to obey God. Now, the people of Israel had a fully hardened heart. The people that the writer of Hebrews was writing this letter to did not yet have a fully hardened heart, but they were in danger of getting a hardened heart. You remember uh, in the sermon two weeks ago, Tim gave us sort of an introduction to the book of Hebrews, and he told us about who this letter was written to originally. Do you remember what he said? It was written to a group of Jewish Christians who had heard the gospel, they had responded to the gospel, they had given their lives to God, they were believers, but they had never really gone on beyond the baby stage of the Christian life. They'd never grown up. They were lazy they were disbelieving. And they were thinking about going back into the Jewish faith. They were thinking, it's believing in Jesus, Jesus alone is not enough. So they were in danger of going back into all the Jewish beliefs and practices. And the writer, over and over again in the book of Hebrews, is warning them and saying, don't do that. You know, turn away from that. It's time to grow up. It's time to move on beyond the baby stage, this foundation stage of the Christian life, and go on to Christian maturity. That's the main point of, Hebrew, of the book of Hebrews. Now that's kind of an interesting history lesson about the people that Hebrews was written to. But what about us here today? What is the author saying to us today? And I think the author wants to say the very same thing. God is wanting to say the very same thing to us. He wants to warn each of us here today that it's time for us to grow up. He's saying, hey guys, grow up. Don't harden your hearts toward God. 
He's saying Jesus is the greatest. He's greater than all the, the man-made religion. He's greater than the Jewish religion. He's greater than the other religions that we may want to follow. It's time to stop being a baby Christian and to go on to full maturity. And he says that right here in verse 8. He says, do not harden your hearts. He's saying, don't do the same thing that the people of Israel did in the wilderness when they made a decision not to go on to where God was calling them and to turn back and to go back to where they came. Now, what is a hardened heart? As I said, that's sort of an extreme uh, probably none of us or very few of us here today have a fully hardened heart. But this is, this is an extreme. A hardened heart is a heart that refuses to obey God, that refuses to trust God. Now, what's the other end of the extreme? What's the other end of the spectrum from a hardened heart? The Bible says that the other end is a fully surrendered heart. So we, we have this, this, this uh, comparison now between a hardened heart and a fully surrendered heart. And the question I want to challenge each of you with today is where is your heart? Which of those two hearts more closely represents your heart? Are you struggling with having a hardened heart? Or are you really seriously seeking to have a fully surrendered heart? That's the question that I want you to think about today. Maybe you're thinking this, you're saying, well, you know what, I don't really have a fully hardened heart, or I don't really have a fully surrendered heart, but I don't have a hardened heart either. But the Bible is very clear. Listen to this. Every time we make a choice to respond to God's voice with what he tells us in Scripture, what he's speaking to our hearts, by saying no, by refusing to do what God tells us to do, by sinning, we're taking one step toward having a hardened heart. We're taking one step away from having a surrendered heart. Now, I don't know about you, but that really scares me. And I hope it scares you too. For the past several months, God has been speaking to me and, and really calling me to get up really early in the morning and spend time with him before our two boys get up. Because once they get up, all of my time and energy is devoted to feeding them breakfast and getting our son Michael off to school. And I don't really have any time to pray until much later in the day. Um, and during the past several months, I've had this experience on a number of occasions. I've been laying in bed, my alarm goes off. And I wake up, and, the, and this battle goes on in my mind. I'm thinking, you know what? I know God wants me to get up and pray. But I really got to bed late last night. And I'm really tired. And I really need some sleep too. So, so what am I going to do? And many times I've said, you know what? I'm just going to go back to sleep and I'll pray later. And let me tell you what usually happens when I do that. I get up. I've been rushing around getting uh, our kids ready, 
and then one of our boys or both of our boys act up, and they throw a f- I join them. I throw a fit too. And then I, 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 say, some, I say things to them that I, I later regret that I said. So instead of starting my day by spending this really meaningful time with the Lord, I have to start my day by asking God and one or both of my sons to forgive me. And that's not a good way to start your day. So God has really been speaking to me this week as I've been preparing this sermon about the condition of my own heart. All of us here today, wherever you're at spiritually, are in danger of hardening our hearts. Because all of us have areas of our lives that are not fully surrendered to him. All of us have areas of our lives that are hidden, that we keep hidden from everyone else. All of us have places in our life that we're saying no to God. And today, I want to, to plead with each of us, and God wants to plead with us, to examine our hearts and to move toward having a fully surrendered heart to God. And I'll be honest, my sometimes casual attitude about not getting up in the morning and praying, about just not obeying God in that area of my life, it's really shocking to me. It really scares me. And on more than one occasion, it's really putting me on my knees, begging God to change my heart. So today, let me ask you, where is your heart? Where are you not fully surrendered to God in your heart? says about a hardened heart. It's really more serious than, than, than you may think. Look at verses 7 and 8 again of Hebrews chapter 3. So as the Holy Spirit says, the day if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. The Bible says that when we harden our hearts, when we refuse to listen to God and we choose to disobey God, we are in rebellion against God. We are rebelling against God. Look at verse 10. This is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. When we refuse to respond to God's voice with a surrendered heart, we are going astray in our heart. We are straying from our first love, Jesus, and we're choosing to love ourselves instead of loving him. Look at verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. When we say no to God, when I made a decision to stay in bed and not get up and pray like God was telling me clearly to do, I had a sinful, unbelieving heart. Now that really bothers me. That concerns me. So this is a picture of what God, of what a a heart that's not fully surrendered to God looks like. 
It's in rebellion. It's going astray. It's sinful and it's unbelieving. It's not a very pretty picture, but that's what the Bible says. Well, I hope that this warning about not having a hardened heart is really impacting you. Because God's really been working on me this week about that. So once again, I want to ask you, how's your heart? Were you once passionately in love with Jesus, but now your heart has grown cool? Did you used to get up early every morning and spend really wonderful time with the Lord, but now, like me, you oftentimes just sleep in? Did you used to tell other people about Jesus all the time, but now you can't even remember the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord? Have you stopped listening to what God is saying in His Word? Have you stopped listening to what God is saying through other believers? Are you trying to live your own life, even the Christian life, in your own wisdom, and your own strength? Instead of allowing Christ to live his life through you. Think about that. Where is your heart today? Well, this is, this is really serious. Because look, look in verse 11 to see what happens when we respond to God's voice by hardening our hearts. And this is God speaking. He says, So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now he's speaking here to the children of Israel, about the children of Israel. But he's saying they shall never enter my rest. Entering God's rest in the book of Hebrews talks mainly about experiencing all the blessings of being in God's kingdom both blessings in this life and blessings in the life to come. Now, when we as Christians choose to say no to God, when we choose to, to sin, when we choose to harden our hearts toward God, we are not going to lose our salvation. Praise God for that. But we will lose some of God's blessings in this life. We will lose experiencing some of God's grace. We will lose seeing God work through us in some different ways. We will lose some of God's peace, some of God's joy, some of God's power working in and through us. We will struggle in our emotions, in our thoughts, and in our relationships. Like what happens to me when I don't get up in the first thing in the morning and pray. We'll find ourselves walking more in the flesh that day than walking in the Spirit. This is what will happen to us when we don't surrender our lives to God. Listen to how A.W. Tozer explains our problem. Listen to what he says. When our faith becomes obedience to our Savior... Then it is true faith indeed. The difficulty that we modern Christians face is not misunderstanding the Bible, but persuading our untamed hearts to accept its plain teaching. Our problem is to get the consent of our world-loving minds to make Jesus Lord in fact, 
as well as in word. For it's one thing to say, Lord, Lord, and quite another to obey the Lord's commandments. So what are we going to do about our untamed hearts that he talks about here? Our hearts that, that too often say no to God. We've talked a lot about our problems. So let's now talk about the solution. Because the good news is that the Bible has a lot to tell us about how we can avoid having hardened hearts. And the Bible gives us two main solutions to avoiding having a hardened heart. The first solution is vertical, and it's surrendering to God. The second solution is more horizontal, and that's participating in Christian community. So I want to take a few minutes during the rest of my sermon to look at each of these two solutions to our problem of having hardened hearts. The first solution is surrendering ourselves to God. The opposite of what the writer of Hebrews talks about here, of having a hardened heart, a rebellious heart, uh, a straying heart, a sinful and unbelieving heart, is having a surrendered heart. Remember, we have the two kinds of hearts. We have a hardened heart and a surrendered heart. Look at what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is a picture of a surrendered heart. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is, Paul's given us a picture of surrendering to God, and he does it by using a very vivid picture from the Old Testament, of the Old Testament sacrifice. And what he's literally telling us, he's saying, you, he, he's saying we need to put ourselves on the sacrificial altar to give God the sacrificial knife and say, God, do to us whatever you want to. That's, that's complete surrender to God. There needs to be a time in our life, if you've ever accepted the Lord, or if you haven't, there needs to be a time in each of our lives when we make, to the best of our understanding, a complete surrender to God and to His Lordship. There needs to be a time when we surrender to God as best as we understand all of our rights, all of our possessions, our families, our past, our present, our future, everything that we are to God. We need to tell God, God, I'll go anywhere you send me. I'll, tell, I'll say anything that you want me to say. Now, some people that happens when they actually accept the Lord the first time. But for most of us, we really don't have a full understanding of that. And this comes at a later time in our life. We've experienced maybe a lot of failure and brokenness in my life. For example, I became a Christian when I was a teenager, but it wasn't until I was 27 years old, after trying to live the Christian life for many years, 
largely my own strength and failing miserably, that I came to the place that I was able to surrender as much as I could understand my life fully to God. So that's, that's what Paul is saying here in verse 1. But in verse 2, Paul goes on, and he's basically saying it's not just something we do once, but, but surrendering ourselves to God is a lifestyle. It's something that we need to do every day of our lives. Uh, when Paul tells us in, in verse 2 of Romans 12, when he says, do not conform that verb to the pattern of this world, He's using a, a verb tense that means a continuous or repeated action. So what Paul is saying is that we need to live every day in a place of surrender to God and his will for our lives. Uh, let me give an example. This is just what I do to try to make this, this a reality in my life. Every morning when I pray, I usually say something like this. God, I surrender myself to you again today. I give you my mind, my body, my soul and spirit. I give you my past and the present. I give you my future. I give you my family and my job and my hopes and my fears. I give you everything in my life. I know that today I can do nothing apart from you. Fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Live through me today. I need to pray something like that every day for me to be able to live my life in a place of surrender to God. So what will happen in our life when we live like this, when we can live, not perfectly, but when we, as best we can, we live in a place of surrender to God? Well, look at what Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 2. He says that we will be transformed, which means that we will be changed from the person that we are more and more into the persons that God has created us to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I really need that. I want that. I want to be transformed. I'm not satisfied with where I am in my life. And I hope you feel that same way today. Listen, this, this is a quote that I love. I think it gives a very clear picture of what it means to surrender ourselves to God. This is by a woman named Hannah Whittall Smith in her book, The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. Listen to what she says. We mean a, an entire surrender of the whole being to God, spirit, soul, and body placed under his absolute control for him to do with us just what he pleases. We mean that the language of our hearts under all circumstances and in view of every act is to be, thy will be done. We mean the giving up of all liberty of choice. We mean a life of inevitable obedience. To a soul ignorant of God, this may look hard, but to those who know him, it is the happiest and most restful of lives. Could we but for a moment get a glimpse into the mighty depths of his love, our hearts would spring out to meet his will and embrace it as our richest treasure, and we would abandon ourselves to it with an enthusiasm of gratitude and joy that such a wondrous privilege could be ours. 
What about you here today? Has there ever been a time in your life that to the best of your understanding, you've completely surrendered yourself to God? Have you ever given God all of your rights, all of your possessions, your family, your work, your past, your present, your future? Have you ever told God that you'll go anywhere he sends you, that you'll, tell, you'll say anything that he tells you to say? You'll do anything that he tells you to do? Well, if you're not able to, to tell me today yes to that question, then I want to challenge you. I believe God is challenging you today to surrender yourself to God. Wherever you are in that continuum between having a hardened heart and having a fully surrendered heart, God is challenging each one of us today. Surrender our hearts more to God. Find those places in our heart that are hard, that are not surrendered, and surrender those areas to Him. And He says in here very clearly, He says, do it today. Do it today. If we're really serious about knowing Jesus, about growing up in our faith, about not being Christians who are still wearing diapers, as Joji pointed out, we need to do this. Remember what Tim said, that the book of Hebrews is about growing up in Christ, leaving the foundations of the faith and going on to Christian maturity. And the writer tells us to do that. It's in chapter 6 of this book. So we're still in only chapter 3. We're in the foundational part. Everything that the writer is saying in chapter 3 is still part of the foundation of the Christian life. It's not part of the full maturity. So what he's saying is, until we make this effort to surrender our hearts to God, we're not even, we will not even be able to move on toward Christian maturity. This is absolutely essential if we want to know Jesus better, if we want to move on, if we want to make any progress toward Christian maturity. Because many of us here today are stuck. We're stuck as baby Christians because there are areas of our heart that we've never surrendered to God. And God is challenging us today. Examine our hearts. Let him show us those areas where we've hardened our heart toward him. Surrender those hearts to him today so we can move on toward the life that God is challenging us to move on to. If you feel God speaking to you about this today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the sermon. Let's look today at the second solution in the Bible to avoiding having a hardened heart. And that is by participating in Christian community. That's found here in chapter 3 of Hebrews. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 again says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. In verse 13, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Underline that word today. That's very important. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The Bible tells us that sin is, is deceitful, that it's constantly trying to deceive us. It's constantly lying to us. Sin puts thoughts in our mind, like when I was laying in bed and it said, you know what, 
you don't really have to give up, get up this morning. You can pray later, and everything will go fine this morning. That was a lie from, from sin, but I believed it. I chose to believe it. Sin is stirring up desires in our bodies that appeal to our old fleshly nature. Sin tells us things you can live your life independent from God. That there are areas of your life that you don't really need God. You can do it on your own. And the Bible tells us that as Christians, we now have a choice. We don't have to listen to the lies of sin. We have the power in us to say no to sin. Did you know that people who are not Christians don't have a choice? They don't have that power. They are controlled by sin. But as Christians, we have the power to say no to sin, but we have to use it. It doesn't happen automatically. And one of our best helps in avoiding the deceitfulness of sin is Christian community. Remember right here, the writer says, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We can help one another to avoid the deceitfulness of sin. When we see another believer giving in to the deceitfulness of sin, we need to encourage them by reminding them what God's Word says. We need to share our struggles, our temptations, and our failures with other believers. We need to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to hold one another accountable. And here's the thing. Listen, we can only do these things if we are seriously participating in Christian community. If we have one or more believers in our lives that we are opening our lives to, that we're sharing these hidden areas of our lives. God did not design us to live alone, to live our Christian lives alone. He designed us to need one another. If we try to live our Christian lives alone, we will fail. Listen, God, this is amazing. God designed us to fail if we try to live our Christian lives alone. We need each other. So I want to ask you today, are you seriously sharing your life with other Christians? Are you sharing your struggles and your temptations with other believers? Are you allowing other Christians to encourage you, to pray for you, and to hold you accountable? I'm presently doing this with several people. One of them is my wife who knows me better than anyone else in the world. And there are also two groups of men that I'm doing this with. One is our pastors when we meet every week, uh, one evening a week. The other is a group of, men, of three other guys that we meet once a week in the mornings. Now, to be honest, I need to do this better with these guys. And that's something that we're going to be working on. But I'm, I'm as, as best I can at this point, I'm sharing the areas that I'm struggling, the areas that I'm weak and that I tend to give in to the deceitfulness of sin. And I can tell you that their words of encouragement and their prayers for me have helped me a whole lot to avoid the deceitfulness of sin. So let, let's sort of bring all this to a conclusion. We've talked a lot about our problem 
which is responding to God's voice with hardness in our heart. We've talked about the biblical solution, which is surrendering to God and participating in Christian community. So let's, let's think about ourselves now. It's time for us to respond. How is God challenging you today to respond to what you've just heard? I want to make very clear the ways that I believe God is wanting us to respond. First, if you here today have never given your heart to Jesus, if, you, if you've never accepted God's free gift of forgiveness through, the, through what Jesus has done for you on the cross, if you've never accepted the free gift of eternal life, then I want to challenge you today to do it today. During our Lord's Supper that's going to take place in just a few minutes, or after the service, please come to me or to one of our other pastors, to Tim or Joji or David, and let us talk to you and, and, and explain to you how you can come to know Jesus personally. Do it today. If you are here today and you are a Christian, but there's never been a time in your life that you have consciously, to the best of your understanding, totally given God your whole life, you've never totally surrendered your life to God, then I want to challenge you, do it today. Believe that God loves you totally and that he has a good plan for your life. Give up all your efforts to live your life apart from him. Surrender your will totally to God today. Now, if you're a Christian and you're here today, also I want to challenge you. Make a decision today to begin each day by surrendering once again to God and his will for your life. Begin each day by asking him to fill you with your Holy Spirit and to fill you with his empowering grace. And the final challenge I want to give you today is if you are not in a close, accountable relationship with other believers, then make a decision today to start that. Repent of trying to live the Christian life alone. And pray and ask God to show you one or several other believers that you can invite to enter into this kind of relationship with you. Well, what will happen in our lives if we actually practice these things? The writer of Hebrews tells us, actually it's the words of God speaking, we will fully enter into God's rest. We will fully experience all the blessings that God has for us in this life and the life to come. We will experience God's best for our lives. We'll move on from being baby Christians or struggling Christians, to Christians that are truly experiencing the life of Christ. We will become more and more the people that God has created us to be. Well, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And during that time, you will have an opportunity to respond to what God is speaking to you today. Today, when you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts but say yes to God. Let's pray, please.